1: Good morning. My name is Denise, and I'll be your conference operator today. At this time, I'd like to welcome everyone to the Agnigo Eagle Fourth Quarter Results 2020 conference call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you'd like to ask a question during this time, simply press star, the number one on your telephone keypad. If you'd like to withdraw your question, please press the pound key. Thank you. Mr. Sean Boyd may begin your conference.
2: Thank you, operator, and uh, good morning, everyone, and welcome to our fourth quarter and uh, 2020 full year our results conference call. Uh, before we get started with the slides, just want to remind everybody that this presentation does include uh, forward-looking uh, statements, and we have that material uh, in the slide deck. Um, just to start off, um, uh, in terms of how we've closed the year and how we're positioned uh, For moving forward over the next several years we had a record quarter in terms of production which drove uh, record cash flow Uh, but more importantly we posted our best ever safety performance so although we're pushing uh, more volume than ever uh, and we have more employees than ever uh, we're operating uh, more safely than we've ever done in history so a big thank you to our employees it's a testament to their a focus and the fact that they show up to work every day looking to make a contribution and caring about uh, their work environment and uh, the people they work closely with um, as a result of that uh, performance on the operating side the business in the full year 2020 generated operating cash flow of 1.2 billion so that continues to improve our financial position good liquidity uh, declared our quarterly dividend of 35 cents Uh, per share also got an additional uh, credit rating agency to rate us as investment grade. We've got booties to do that recently. So it just shows you the strong financial position which uh, continues to strengthen as we grow our production over the next several years. We expect to grow output off of the 2020 amount by 24% as we move through uh, 2024 and that's supported by uh, record reserve position so uh, lots of records as we close uh, 2020 um, the reserve growth is supported by exploration results so uh, this is really not just a story about production growth but also being able to uh, improve the quality of our asset base uh, growing uh, deposits at our existing mines as we move forward as a result of that uh, we've increased our exploration budget by over 40 percent to 160 million so Very much still a focus on exploration, and we'll talk about how that fits into the strategy uh, in a minute. It's a key part of the story. Uh, The strategy is uh, going to remain the same, it's consistent. It's really to grow production per share by by focusing on the geological potential of our asset base, by optimizing uh, our existing mines, as we said, through exploration, and then building out our project pipeline. Uh, We can see visibility at La at Goldex, in terms of additional conversion of resource into reserves, which will extend those lives of those assets, as well as bringing new projects uh, into the uh, production base of the company with the announcement of Amarook Underground and Canadian Malarctic Underground. Uh, a big part of the strategy is to keep the business low risk, to manage political risk, stay in those jurisdictions that we know well but also to continue our leadership and excellence in ESG, uh, which we continue to do. We're uh, double A rating at MSCI. Corporate Knights just ranked us number 73 in the world, not just in mining, but of all companies in ESG. So we continue to be recognized for our leadership in ESG. Just going to the highlights for the quarter, as we said, first time in our 60 plus year history, we produced over 500,000 ounces in the quarter. That put us uh, over the top end of the guidance range in 2020 at 1.736 million ounces. As we said, um, our reserves grew to a record level at 24.1 million ounces. We'll break that down uh, in a minute. Um, That's backed up by an increase in exploration budgets, as we said, and that exploration is really focused on uh, places like Canadian Malarctic, uh where the combined budget with the partnership is about 30 million dollars we'll talk about that in a minute Uh, big budgets uh at la ronde where we're extending uh, drifts in four different areas to open up that whole felsic rock package as we move to the west and also the east Um, so a big year for exploration and as we said our board yesterday approved the go-ahead for odyssey and amaru underground projects we'll talk about that uh in a minute so Steadily growing production
3: um,
2: in 2021, uh, costs will be lower uh, than in 2020 as we grow our output. So as we said, we're expecting production growth over the next four years up 24%. Um, in 2021, we should be up over 300,000 ounces from 2020, with our unit cost down about uh, 6%. In um, As we move forward, we're looking for slightly higher costs we've uh, outlined in our press release. Uh, That's largely driven, almost primarily driven, uh, by higher costs at our Amarouk deposit. Uh, We continue to get very good cost performance at a number of our mines, uh, particularly in the Abitibi, and we'll talk about that. So it's really the high costs at Amaruk that have tended to skew uh, the overall average uh, a bit higher. Uh, Capital expenditures, uh, we're forecasting about $800 million uh, in 2021 as we approved uh, two new projects. Uh, We're still going to generate significant net-free cash flow with that number. And as we look forward on the project pipeline, uh, we're not in a hurry. We're we're going to stage them, we're going to spread them out, and we're going to keep our capex in line with where it's been over the last couple of years as we move forward. Uh, we talked about our gold uh, reserves and mineral resources. Um, with the exception of Hammond Reef, all of those reserves were done at $1,250. Hammond Reef was done at 1350 As we said, it increased at 12%. We had over a million ounces added at several of our uh, current producing assets with the balance coming uh, from Hammond Reef. Uh, what that number uh, and what these reserves and resources do not include is uh, the reserves and resources that are hosted at the recently acquired Hope Bay project. I'll talk about that uh, in a minute. So we also had uh, maintain a strong resource base, um, indicated, measured, indicated 15 million ounces, inferred uh, 23 million ounces. Um, so a strong reserve and resource base that, that supports our ability to continue to grow our output. In terms of the near-term opportunities, we have several. Uh, Kittala uh, has had a, um, a good year. they produced record amounts of gold. They continue to ramp up uh, their uh, annual throughput. Uh, last year, I think, it averaged 1.85 million tons a year, going to 2, 000, 2 million tons uh, per year. The uh, mill expansion was completed slightly ahead of schedule in Q4. Um, So they continue to move that opportunity forward. They're also studying, uh, based on exploration success, as they drill uh, the deposit as it plunges uh, to the north, they're looking to um, potentially increase uh, annual throughput from the 2 million uh, tons per year amount up 20 to 25 percent from that amount. So that study will take place over the next uh, two to three years just to optimize, to continue to optimize the growing size of that ore body. Meliadine Phase two uh, remains on track. Uh, In January, we're about 4,600 tons today, so we'll be gradually increasing that over the next few years to 6,000 tons a day. Uh, We talked about the Amaruk Underground Project uh, being approved for construction. The objective is essentially just to mine... Uh, higher grade underground portions of that deposit in conjunction with the open pits, first gold production we're expecting in 2022 is uh, we begin to access ore from the underground ramp system. Uh, the average mining rate over the five-year period in the underground components about 2,000 tons a day. Overall, we expect to be mining about 3 million tons at an average rate of about 5.5 uh, grams per tonne. That adds just from the underground about 100,000 ounces a year to the Amaroop production. There are years where when we combine the underground, the open pit, Amaru will become a Eco Eagle's largest single producer of gold. Um, so it's a high quality asset that will generate significant cash flow as we go forward. Um, we'll produce those amounts because uh, when we add the open pit ore with the underground ore, uh, we'll have a capacity in our plant to handle about 12,000 uh, tons a day. So the capital costs of that underground, about $140 million construction, uh, almost $40 million in sustaining. At $1550, it has got an after tax rate of return of 28%. Odyssey, I'll talk about uh, that now. Um, we've continued to have uh, drilling success and exploration success there as we've expected to have. Uh, because we've had a very active drill program going there for the last uh, two to three uh, years. At East Goldie, we saw over 130% increase in the resource to 6.4 million ounces. There's 11 drills currently uh, targeting the East Goldie zone uh, to continue to expand um, that deposit uh, and also to tighten up the drill spacing, particularly in the high-grade core, of the East Goldie uh, zone. Property-wide, in 2001, uh, Agnico and Yamana will spend about $30 million on drilling. That's a significant budget. 24 million of that's largely on East Goldie. 6 million will be to drill uh, regional targets because it's interesting with the discovery of East Goldie, it's essentially opened up an entirely new mining horizon uh, with tremendous potential given what we're seeing at East Goldie. So that's also a focus of our drill program in 2021 the underground ramp is in proce- in progress that's important because as that continues down it makes it easier to drill it just gives us a better uh, drill setup uh, to drill those underground targets particularly um, in Odyssey East Millardic and also at uh, East Gold as far as the project uh, the project um, Odyssey Canadian Millardic the underground project it's really a a very large, low-risk, high-quality opportunity. Uh, We anticipated it becoming the largest underground uh, gold mine in Canada based on annual production. Uh, When it reaches full production, we expect it to be producing about 550,000 ounces per year. That's based on uh, daily throughput of about 19,000 tons. Um, We're able to run it at that high rate because there's essentially four underground sources of ore so that was the real the, the the game changer let's say on this whole project was really the discovery of east gold because that just opened up a much bigger higher grade additional sources source of ore which when you combine it with odyssey north and south and the old east malarctic area you get volume and it's the volume that's really made this work in terms of the size underground cash costs uh, at full production expected to be around 650 uh, dollars per ounce so very long mine life uh out to about 2040 and that's only based on a plan that currently incorporates about 7 million ounces in uh, uh, the analysis Uh, we know when we add up everything i guess we're not supposed to add up everything but we add up everything reserve and resource it's more than double. Uh, what we currently have um, in the economic plan and the mine plan going forward, and these deposits are still wide open, as we know them, and the entire horizon is wide open. So we we believe this is going to be a big part of both Yamana and Ignico's business for for many many years. At 15.50, it's got an after tax rate of return of 17 to 18 uh, percent. There's still uh, Room, we feel, uh, to optimize uh, the study, optimize the plan, um, and we're going to continue to work hard on doing that. CAPEX, 100% CAPEX is $1.3 billion, uh, but from the period from 2021 to 2028, which is really the construction phase, uh, during this period, uh, we would expect to produce over 900,000 ounces at a cash cost of about $800. So um, it's almost self-funding in a way when you think about it. Um, That $1.3 billion includes an 1,800-metre deep uh, production shaft with a capacity of approximately 20,000 tonnes per day. Um, As we said, we'll phase in production over several years, beginning in 2023, late in 2023 from the ramp. Uh, with the shaft, uh, we expect to commission the shaft in 2027. And as we said, full production we expect at around 19,000 tons a day as we ramp up uh, the underground mine, including East Goldie, which is the deepest of the four sources of ore, by 2031. As we said over the last little while, we're comfortable making this production decision now based on our resource because. From a cost perspective, uh, the numbers are solid. Many of the design criteria um, and the parameters that are being used in this study are very similar to Eagle's existing operations uh, in the region. And when you combine uh, that confidence in the fact that we're dealing with live cost data and experience at Canadian Malartic, we've got good confidence in uh, the production plan, and in the cost estimate as far as the project pipeline um, we continue to optimize the project pipeline as we said at the start we're in no hurry uh, to build these Uh, we're just focused on continuing to add value to these assets through exploration and through updating studies uh, employing innovation um, as we think about innovation on certain projects like hammond reef we're looking at ore sorting Um, So there's still work to do before we decide to spend capital here, Um, but we have made significant progress in the last year on these projects. At Upper Beaver, uh, the deposit continues to grow. We expect it to be, at at some point uh, down the road, a low-cost producer given the significant copper credit. It's in a good part of uh, the world, a pro-mining district. It's very near our operations in Quebec, uh, so we couldn't put it in a better spot. And we continue, as we said, to add value through drilling, and we'll continue to drill that and update the study for roughly the end of the year uh, this year. I'll talk uh, about Hammond Reef, then I'll talk about Hope Bay. At Hammond Reef, we've incorporated uh, 3.3 million in reserves. The overall uh, mineralized envelope is over uh, 5 million uh, ounces. Uh, So we're looking to optimize that plan and bring additional gold resources. Uh, Into the mine plant. This is sort of the first cut at it. Um, We started to revisit it about a year ago. We always liked it because the location's good, um, permitting's straightforward, uh, community support is there. Um, The challenge was it's uh, on the low grade side, uh, but we feel there's ways that we can use uh, things like ore sorting to improve the economics. So we'll continue to move it forward and add value. But again no commitment to spend significant dollars there at hope bay the transaction closed on february the 2nd uh, the project hosts reserves of three and a half million ounces and resources of 3.8 uh, million ounces as we said none of those numbers are in our current uh, reserve and resource statement uh, the property position as many of you know is very extensive it's an 80 kilometer a greenstone belt It hosts three known deposits: Doris, Madrid, and Boston. Um, as we've said, the focus this year will be on exploration, with a planned budget of approximately $16 million. Five million of that will be delineation drilling, and 11 million will be testing targets around uh, the three known deposits and other targets along. The 80 kilometer greenstone belt the mine currently produces about 18 to 20,000 ounces a quarter cash costs around 950 to 975. Uh, the mills operated three weeks on three weeks off Uh, we're forecasting hope bay to be cash flow neutral in 2021 and and those production costs or capex numbers are not in any of our overall total eco uh, cost guidance. So while we focus on expanding the reserve and the resource in the property, uh, we'll also focus on optimizing uh, the existing Doris mine and then evaluate expansion scenarios. Um, we believe the project could ultimately produce 250 to 300,000 ounces, uh, but we still have to do the studies, still have to do the work. Uh, we're we're confident that uh, there is a solid plan to move forward as we put our Nunavut expertise to work there, uh, and we do not anticipate spending any significant uh, capital, expansion capital, there over the next uh, two years. In terms of the specific assets and operating results, I'll start with Uh It still remains, after 30-plus years, our largest cash flow generator. Uh, produced over 105,000 ounces at uh, cash costs, uh, 434. So continued strong performance in Q4. It actually, uh, for the full year, achieved its original budget, despite the fact that the mine was stopped in Q2 uh, due to the impacts of COVID. Um, And it's also interesting in Q4 that 28% of LaRon's tonnage was mucked with automated scoops and 16% of the tonnage at LZ5. Uh, was mined with automated scoops. So that's the way forward at La as we mine deeper. Our exploration suggests that uh, there's more mine life at depth, so automation will be important, uh, not just from an efficiency and cost perspective, but also uh, from a safety perspective. Um, In Q4, that uh, performance was really driven by more tons uh, being mined in the West Mine area at higher grades than we had anticipated. So the deposit continues to grow, as we said. We're adding reserves. We're still adding quality ounces. We're still adding uh, significant tons to the mine plan. Uh, we'll talk about the exploration uh, shortly. At Gold X, record quarterly production, uh, about 40,000 ounces at cash cost below $600 per ounce. We averaged in excess of 8,000 uh, tons a day. That's record daily tonnage since we restarted the mine back in 2013. So the teams have done uh, an excellent uh, job there. And what's really helped them to achieve uh, over 8,000 tons a day is uh, some tremendous performance coming out of the underground railway system, uh, which was something that our team looked at a few years ago, invested the capital to put in, and, and that's just been a really important addition to the efficiency of that mine. When you think about it, we're mining around 1.5 grams per tonne, and it's still an extremely profitable mine. A Canadian Malarctic, uh, best ever full-year safety performance uh, in Q4. We continue to sort of tweak up uh, the throughput in the plant, uh, setting another quarterly record at over 62,000 uh, tonnes per day. When you add up the Abitibi, uh, those three assets in Q4 produced over 230,000 ounces at a cash cost of approximately $540 an ounce. So those three mines are still very much an important part of our business, but more importantly, important cash flow generators, particularly as we look at opportunities to extend La uh, mine life with our exploration success at depth, and also extend the Goldex mine life as we're also getting good drill results in, uh, in the Gold X as we look at uh, the deep two zones um and then with the addition of the canadian malarctic underground uh, that's going to be an important part of our business for a number of years at kitsola as we said record ore production uh, in the in uh, the year uh, leads to record gold output in 2020 so we're finally after many years getting um, uh, into a a rhythm let's say where uh we're able to better match uh this the large size of the ore body with the production rate uh going to 2 million tons per year but there's more work to do because that deposit continues to grow so we could see it with additional ore sources that are being suggested by the recent drilling that we can take that up another 20 to 25 percent um, again not in a hurry to do that it's going to take us two to three years to do the work on that think about that um, but it still has upside and the deposit uh, continues uh, to grow. At Meadowbank Amaru, steady improvements. We've seen quarter after quarter there uh, record open pit production in the quarter at 3.8 million uh, tons mined uh, per month. Uh, So they've done a good job with the maintenance and availability of equipment and steadily uh, improving uh, that operation over time. And with the addition of the higher-grade underground ore, that will become a much more significant producer of ours. We still need work on the cost. The costs are higher uh, based on strip ratios uh, as we move uh, into the next couple of years. We'll come down as we get to 12,000 tons a day uh, with more high grade um, as we move into 2024, uh, but we still need to do some more work on the cost side. At Melodyne, record quarterly safety performance, another strong quarter, uh, another strong operating and production quarter, 90,000 ounces. At approximately $650 an ounce cash cost, but a good, very good operating margin quarter and cash generating quarter at $108 million uh, in the quarter. So that's our second biggest contributor, uh, next to Laurent, uh even more than Canadian Malarctic. So again, uh, we're going to continue to expand that. So also an important part of our business going forward. Uh, and Mexico. Uh, steady operations and good cash generation continuing from our Mexican operations. Uh, just quickly touching on the, on the financial highlights, um, I think what struck me being here for 36 years is record cash provided by operating activities of over uh, $1.2 billion. Um, Twenty years ago, late 90s, our revenue was only $50 million. Um, So it's a testament to our strategy of adding uh, small pieces and turning them into meaningful parts of our business and doing it while keeping our share count down so we can uh, generate per share returns uh, to our shareholders. That strong cash generation uh, improves our financial flexibility, uh, strengthens our investment grade credit rating where we added booties to our list of uh, credit rating agencies our cash position grew uh, 400 million at the end of uh, december again low share count after 60 plus years uh, in the business and a debt maturity schedule that's extremely manageable as we look forward dividends are still an important part of our story we've paid them uh, for 38 years um, given our production growth given how we see the ability to extend some of our major mines given the recent projects that uh, we've just announced approval on which uh when you look at Amberg underground very long life um, we expect to be in a position to continue to increase our dividends uh, as we move forward and grow the output in this business so i'll just quickly summarize and then uh, we'll open it up uh, for questions so um, essentially a strong close to 2020 which we anticipated we expected uh, you know, based on coming through the challenges of Q2, uh, we did do a lot of important work in that quarter to position the assets for the strong second half that we did deliver. Uh, So that was not only important for the cash generation, uh, but also important to set us up for continued growth going forward over the next uh, four years, as well as positioning projects uh, beyond 2024 to continue to grow and continue to add value. Uh, No change in our appetite for geopolitical risk, Uh, we're comfortable sort of where we are, Uh, we continue to be focused on uh, not just to do the right thing on ESG, but to be a leader in ESG, Uh, we haven't really talked much about how how much contribution we made to our communities um, um, during COVID, uh, but that's certainly being recognized by federal governments uh, in the countries we operate in, um, I'll just sort of close off on, on exploration because it has, um, our success there has, has really uh, forced us to rethink sort of the 10 to 15 year uh, production profile versus where we were about three years ago on that. And a lot of that has to do with um, our strategy all the time is, you know, we want to know what we own. We want to know what we own as early as we can. And that's why we have a history of drilling deep holes to understand, you know, whether those deposits do continue. That's how we're here talking about Canadian Malarctic Underground. There was a deep target that wasn't in the budget that we put in the budget uh, after a mine visit to say, look, our, our history at La tells us that it's important to understand when you have a geological structure that's wide open, uh, how deep it goes. And so uh, we're seeing that at Kittala now. Uh, we're seeing that continuing at La Ronde, uh, where we're, after 30-plus years, uh, we're producing more gold than we ever have at, uh, and generating more cash than we ever have, and we're still finding more gold. And as a result of that, we're going to invest in four exploration drifts uh, to move to the West, to go into the old barrack ground. Because that uh, same felsic package of rocks that host all the LaRon world-class ore bodies. Also exists on that land package to the west. So we're going to open it wide open uh, to see what's there. Uh, but we're also going to uh, drill to the east where we've got uh, some high value uh, net smelter return drill holes on uh, a zinc zone, the reappearance of the 20 North zinc zone. Um, so a lot happening at Laurent, which bodes well uh, for the future of our largest cash flow generator. Uh, Kirkland Lake, uh, Upper Beaver continues to grow. Uh, so, we're confident that's a mine at some point, but again, uh, we'll update our study later this year. We'll decide how we can fit it in. Uh, Pinos Altos and Mexico continue to get good drill holes at the satellite deposits and at Santa Gertrude, so, we'll work those in uh, to our production plan going forward. So, essentially, from a strategic standpoint, um, we're just going to continue to focus on what's worked very well for us for many years. We're going to optimize. Um, and realize the full potential of our existing mines uh, with a distinct exploration focus, because it's adding really good value for the dollars we're investing in exploration. We're going to work the project pipeline. Uh, we, we're fortunate we have a solid project pipeline. We add it whole We like it long term. Uh, we think it's going to go grow well be- beyond uh, the current reserve and resource. We're going to work that pipeline in a steady, consistent manner. And where appropriate, we're going to add high potential projects that have excellent geological potential in parts of the world, where we have good skills. We've done that since 2005, when we started buying assets like Kitsula, like Pinos Altos. So it's worked well for us in terms of creating per-share value, and we're going to continue to do that. So, operator, um, I'd be happy to open up the line. We've got our full team virtually here and happy to answer Uh, The questions we get from the callers on the line.
1: Certainly, ladies and gentlemen, to ask a question, please press star, and the number one on your telephone keypad. We'll pause for just a moment to call the community roster. Your first question comes from Tyler Langton with JP Morgan. Your line is open.
3: Good morning, Uh, thanks for taking my question. I just had a question, Morton, on Ambrook. I guess uh, for, you know, in 23, you're kind of guiding to. Total production at Meadowbank of like around 415,000 ounces, with around 100 uh, from the underground, and then a little you know 300 or so from the open pit. And I guess you know post 2023, I think you're getting to the underground being a little around 120,000. Just what does the open pit, I guess, look like? Um, you know, in 24 and beyond, does it kind of stay around 300,000 ounces, or should it should it ease a little bit?
2: Uh, Dominic, do you want to help us with the the split between underground and uh, open pit at uh, Meadowbank as we go beyond
4: 2023. Yeah, the um, uh, the Amuranto gold is going to bring uh, 100 140,000 uh, ounces to the to the game. That's going to bring overall Meadowbank uh, getting o- uh, that that they're going to reach over 500,000 ounces, which is going to be our biggest uh, operation uh, in those years,
3: uh, 2024, 2025. Great. No, that's helpful. And then, uh, just, for, I guess, final question, you know, I think free cash flow is really strong, uh, in 2020, uh, when you look to 2021, you know, outside of, I guess, sort of earnings and CapEx, are there other, any items like, you know, I guess taxes or something like that, that could sort of have a an impact on the free cash flow profile, uh, this year?
2: Uh, well, cash taxes will be slightly higher than 2020 because of the 300,000 ounces of additional production, which is going to be more profitable or add to add to the total profit. So cash taxes will be up a bit, uh, but not significantly
5: higher.
3: Great. Thanks so much.
1: Your next question comes from Fahad Tariq with Credit Suisse. Your line is open.
6: Hey, good morning. Thanks for taking my
1: two questions.
6: Uh, First, on Hope Bay, I I know you mentioned over the next two years you don't expect to spend significant capex. Beyond that timeline, as you think about Hope Bay versus some of the other projects, can you just provide some color on how you're thinking about what it's competing against? Is it competing against Upper Beaver and Hammond Reef, or is there already a priority among those projects that's already set out even before you've done more work on Hope Bay?
2: No, it's competing with the two you mentioned. Um, so those would be the ones that uh, we're still studying. Uh, I would say Upper Beaver has the upper hand, let's say, uh, given our familiarity, given its location. Um, Hope Bay is, uh, is a work in progress. I think what we liked about it was um, the 80-kilometer greenstone belt. Uh, we've had big success uh, with geological belts when we can control them 100%. Uh, in adding ounces, so we believe this will get bigger. Uh, But basically, uh, we have to step back on this one because everybody understands we need a new processing facility. So the question will be what and where. Um, And the where will depend on uh, the exploration results as we move forward. So there's still work to do. That's why we're not in a a rush here. Um, We've already had um, our top crews up there recently. They spent a week there our project development team, some of our senior team at Nunavut. So we've begun the process of putting uh, people from our technical service group uh, to look at various expansion scenarios. And again, uh, the whole concept with our strategy is to stage and spread these projects out over time. Um, So it's just going to require us applying uh, some of our key project development teams, working with our technical service group, and the operating teams in those jurisdictions to optimize the project studies and compete for the capital.
6: Okay, great. That, that's really clear. Um, my only other question on Kittila, I'm just trying to understand that the shaft sinking contract issues, um, is, is it right to – did I understand this right that now all of that will be done in-house, or is it still being contracted but with some additional local personnel? I'm just trying to get a sense of what's going on there. Uh, Dominic?
4: Yeah, we're going to continue to contract it. Uh, of course, we're looking to mitigation now to introduce more local workers, uh, training lo- local people, but still the shaft, cons- let's say, sinking construction phase is, is contracted. The challenges are really uh, with the traveling uh, uh, issue we have with our challenges we have with the COVID. So people need to be- get isolated and tested. So that brings some. Uh, Challenge on having a Canadian contractor uh, going there, but uh, the team are looking for mitigations uh, to to minimize that uh, with uh, better uh, conditions uh, for the guys as well as uh, training more local people.
6: Okay, got it. So that's different than the the terminating the underground development contract. That, that's different, right?
4: Yeah, that's different. Let's say the overall project is completed uh, at 80-90% if we're talking about the uh, the rock line and all the, the work done uh, uh, to be ready to operate the, uh, the shaft. The only uh, critical path, which is the shaft sinking, uh, this is the area where we struggle and there are some delays. Uh, at the end of the day, that will not impact the production because we're able to mine it uh, uh, through the ramp. Uh, it is just uh, more cost uh, each month that we do it uh, through the ramp compared to the shaft, but that will not affect the, uh, the production rate at uh, Kit Okay,
6: great. That's it for me. Thank you.
1: Your next question comes from Ralph Prolini with 8 Capital. Your line is open.
7: Oh, hi there. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, Sean, I have a question on Canadian malarctic exploration, but specifically for uh, open pit ore sources uh, in the context of filling up that mill capacity, right, especially post-2026. Is now the time that this becomes more of a strategic priority?
2: Um, I would say that the focus uh, uh, before that is really on... um, No, this is the first cut of the study, is just optimizing that study, um, you know, rather than looking at uh, outside additional sources of ore. Uh, So it's really an optimization effort if we can sort of reduce the dip in production uh, in those years during the initial transition from the open pit uh, to the underground. But what we won't do is rush um, the build-out here. You know, this is a 17-plus year life. Uh, It doesn't need to be rushed. Uh, If there's a dip in production, there's a dip in production. That's not the end of the world. So we'll just try to manage and build uh, the most effective uh, project. But um, Guy, from an exploration standpoint, or Dominic, from a a production um, sourcing standpoint in the pit, is there any color you can add on that?
8: Yeah, uh, so it's Guy here. So uh, don't, we we also control a, a large uh, property over there and over that two, our 20 kilometer of ground we control, we continue to investigate and reassess the potential of, of other near-surface ore body, uh, either towards the west of the Canadian Monarchic pit with the western porphyry, forax, uh, east mp former operation, so, and at the same time, uh, to the east of the, of the Odyssey project, well, we still control another uh, 10 kilometers uh, towards the east that we are continuing to assess. So, uh, that's, that's one of our uh, plans to continue to test for both shallow and uh, an extension of the East Goldie and see if we can uh, integrate them eventually in the mine plan. Yeah.
7: Okay, thanks for that. Yeah, that's good color. Uh, Sean, the uh, the economies are starting to show some light on, on Hammond Reef, right? And we have some good first cut numbers, um, you know. But it doesn't seem like it maybe meets the technical like, investment criteria right here with with this study in terms of IRR. Um, first of all, do you think it could get there? And particularly with respect to the capex number of a billion dollars, is this something you'd be open open up to partnering up on?
2: Yeah, or selling it. Yeah, we're open minded on that one. Um what we like about it is uh, it was a throw-in in the uh, uh, Cisco deal in 2014, and we bought the other half for $12.5 million. <laughs> so we've had a lot more value than what we pay for it. And so the only question now is how do we
5: realize on that value? So we're open-minded with respect to uh, Hammond Reef. Got it.
7: Well said. Thanks very much.
1: Our next question comes from Josh Wolfson with RBC Capital Markets. Your line is open.
9: Thanks. Um, a couple questions first on the capital. Uh, I know the, it, it, the number that's been outlined is really just indicative of that 750 to 800 um, You know, we have some details in the release on Marouk Underground and Malartic, but, you know, the, the indicative guidance, I guess, implies roughly $400 million on the project side. Uh, and sorry, I have a, a greyhound crying next to me and um, and then you know, I guess I just want to fill the gap in terms of what uh wh- where the rest of that could come from uh as the releases said you know said there was no hope in there either
2: well we've uh, uh just put uh sort of a hold on things because we expect at some point we'll advance Upper beaver so. Uh, all that is is sort of a bookmark to allow us to move those projects
5: forward that are in the pipeline in a very steady and staged manner. Okay, so okay, uh, I, I'll I'll follow up maybe uh, uh,
9: directly. Um, my, my other question is uh, for Laurent. Uh, you know, guidance for the year looks somewhat lighter versus what the the operation has already been doing the last couple of quarters. Is that just uh, conservatism that's been incorporated or is there a change in in sequencing?
2: Not really a change. Uh, I think it's just being uh, generally conservative there. We did have an upgrade in uh, the West Mine area in Q4, uh,
5: so we don't have that all factored in.
10: Okay. Thank you very much.
1: Your next question comes from Jackie Prziblowski with EML Capital Markets. Your line is open. Thanks very much. Uh, good morning, everyone.
0: Um, I, I guess a, a couple questions. I'll, I'll start with uh, Hope Bay. Um, you know, it, it looks like you're, you're planning to run it through this year um, and and work on the um, the longer term expansion option. Is is the plan still to Uh, to sort of take a step back, close the operation down for an extended period of time? Like, should we expect that sort of announcement for 2022? Um, And I guess maybe if you could give us just a little bit of a a guideline as to how long you think that um, exploration studies, all that stuff might take and and when we might see it come back into your production profile?
2: Yeah, it's still too early to uh, sort of make a decision on you know, do we put it on care and maintenance? As we said, it's not leading money, uh, I think, which is important. So we can continue to run it, optimize it, uh, drill it, and complete the studies. We'll have a a much better idea uh, this time next year, after um, doing all the study work uh, through 2021, while we continue with the drill program. Um, As to what it looks beyond uh, 2022, uh, that's still to be determined uh, based on the results of the drill program and the study
0: okay got it so we'll um we'll we'll wait and see and hopefully next next February we'll have a bit of a clearer picture that sounds great um yep. a similar question maybe on the malarctic underground uh you know we've been waiting for this uh study and and I think the the detail you give us was really helpful and and it looks it looks quite positive uh where where's the next um next information flow or where, where's the next data point that we should be watching for from here it, it kind of feels like we're going to be in a period of drilling uh, ramp development that kind of thing is, it, is there more news flow that you're expecting to release to the market in 2021
2: well i would expect as you said jackie it's uh, more exploration detail uh, as we said we have the, the combined partnership budget there's 30 million dollars Uh, with 24 of that on East Goldie, which is wide open. So we would expect the news flow to be uh, on those exploration results on East Goldie and as we drill the structure um, along the trend. And uh, we'll continue to always optimize and and revisit the study and look for ways to improve and look for ways that maybe we can uh, minimize the production dip during that transition from the open pit to the underground. but there's no timeline for information flow on that. So, uh, but there will be on exploration because of the size of the budget and the fact that there's 11 drills uh, going on the site.
0: Got it, Uh, thanks very much. Um, One final question. I know um, 2020 was a a challenging year for for your operations for, for COVID. Uh, certainly, we're not out of the woods yet. It sounds like there's still some lingering effects in terms of travel restrictions and things. Um, how, how, I guess, mostly related to your more remote operations and none of it. How, how are you coping at the moment with COVID? Or are, are you starting to think about bringing the the local workforce back? Um, is is there uh, an increased risk of of uh, COVID up there at this point, or are things getting better? Can you maybe just give us a broad update in terms of the operations?
2: yeah, the vaccine's there now, in none of it, I think, which is important. Great. So that's uh, that bodes well, and that will be sort of a key uh, part of the decision on bringing uh, the workforce back. So we've been very patient on that because of the uh, because of the risks to the community, as we said from the start, uh, that we wanted to make sure that uh, you know unique legal wasn't causing uh, or bringing virus uh, up up to none of it. So, Um, uh, But I I should say, in Canada, we've got five testing labs going now. Uh, So we started testing early. We've continued to expand our testing uh, capabilities, and we're using that uh, to help us manage uh, sort of COVID now.
0: Okay, that's perfect. I'll, I'll leave it there. Thank you very much, Sean.
4: Okay.
1: Your next question comes from Greg Barnes with TV Securities. Your line is open.
5: Yeah, thanks, Sean. I just want to get a picture of Amaruk and the Medibank complex. Costs will remain high for the next couple of years. They'll come down as the underground comes on. The underground, I think, mines out in 2026. Just what happens near-term, medium-term, and longer-term at Amaruk, both production and cost? Yeah,
2: I think from a production standpoint, um, it's still a relatively short life mine compared to our other mines, and that's why the focus is on uh, exploration in and around uh, Meadowbank and Amaroo, looking for preferably additional open pit material because that would extend uh, the uh, the uh, underground uh, with our ability to um, mix. But maybe Dominic on the cost side, you can give us some sense of sort of strip ratios and the impact of, of that. Uh, on costs over the
4: remaining mine life. Yeah, we're going to see some fluctuation on the costs, uh, and it's a lot driven by the uh, the stripping ratio and the grade uh, through the sequence. Uh, 2021 strip ratio is going to be more around 7-ish, better than 2020, where we were more around 11. So that's going to to be helpful. what, what the impact is when strip ratio is lower, you're building stockpile, uh, that's help. And when stripping ratio is is higher, then you need to consume stockpile, uh, so that's impacting the the, the the cost. But overall, the Amaro underground is gonna bring is bringing a positive impact. It is higher grade uh, material, and it's uh, all the fixed costs are already paid, so that's that's gonna improve uh, uh, the costs at uh, the site, and also we've uh we've launched a new optimization let's say we've called it the strategic optimization at uh, at the site uh, where the uh, they've beefed up the team uh to to look to different uh, way to improve it uh mainly on the contractor side uh, rental side on the logistic uh, inventory um they've been through a the Nunavut let both divisions have been through an expansion phase now uh, in last year it now they're doing their units, uh, so that's the first step. Now, as uh, this is more stable, we're really uh, transferring to an optimization site, and I think there is, uh, uh, there is room to improve there. Uh, we're going to see – we just need to let the, the, the team uh, some room uh, to, to optimize their, their operation.
5: So we have a big bump in production in 24, 25, and then 26 after that. Is Amaru finished? after twenty twenty six
4: at this point yeah, at this point we go up to twenty twenty six uh as Sean mentioned, we still have uh, uh, good resources underground uh, under the permafrost uh, because we keep the mining uh, in the permafrost for the let's say Amarok phase one america underground phase one uh, exploration and maybe ge could give a flavor on that, but exploration are still uh, ongoing. Uh, the best dream will be to find uh, another pit uh, that we could we have all the infrastructure to manage that and uh, to continue to mine uh, with the higher grade on coming from underground but up to now the this is this is what we have uh, the resources reserve at uh, amarok
5: okay okay and just secondarily on on the beaver, Sean, it does sound like that's leaked up the queue um, effectively, it looks like it's going to be the next operation after the malarctic underground. Timing on studies or any kind of decision on that one?
2: Oh, well, it'll be later this year when we get the study. So, um, decision would be sort of maybe this time next year, depending on the results of the study. Okay. Great. Thank
1: you. Your next question comes from Carrie McReary with kina Genuity. Your line is open.
5: Good morning, everyone. Um, Sean, as you mentioned, you said the PA resource is about half of the total resource outlined. There is that more of a function of drill spacing or the economics um, on some other detail, or potentially. Uh, you're
2: referring to Canadian Malartic Underground.
3: Yes.
5: Yeah.
2: um Well, the the bulk of it's East Goldie, and so the the balance of it would be East Malartic and Odyssey North and South, which are lower grade. So we fully expect that as we optimize the plan that we'll be able to add some additional ounces to it, Um, and also we would expect East Goldie to continue to grow. So uh, as we said, this is um, the results of the uh, the first study, let's say, and uh, which remains to be optimized as we look at adding additional resources uh, to the mine plan. And
5: then maybe just again on extending the open pit, I know you're... Reserves are at 1250 like, you know, three years down the road if we're in a $2,000 price environment. Is there a bigger pit shell potentially at the open pit, or is it sort of not that sensitive to the gold price? At Millardic? Yes.
2: Yeah, I don't think there's much room um, to expand the open pit. The future there will be uh, the underground. And so uh, certainly a higher gold price bodes well for some of the lower-grade material, uh, in the old East Malartic area, uh, so we'll certainly be looking at that as we continue to drill it and as we continue through the construction phase. Uh, the underground infrastructure, I think will be important. Uh, that's what was really um, uh, something that uh, turned Laron from a small mine into a large mine is the underground uh, ramp and shaft gave us access to drill the deposit. So I think we'll probably see in this instance getting better access to drill um, uh, it gives us the potential to, you know, add more resources and do more effective conversion of the resource to reserve. Some of that resource is only drilled at 150 meter spacings. Um, so uh, as you said in your question, part of why it's not in the plan is we still need to do some more drilling and tighten up the spacing.
5: And then, then maybe just one more for me. What, what did the processing costs look like at, you know, when you're running at 19,000 tons a day versus today at you 55 or 57,000 tons, and G&A per ton. Can you get some color on the unit costs? Uh, Dominic, do we have
2: the uh, breakdown? I don't have the breakdown in front of me on processing costs per ton when
4: we're at full production at 19,000 tons a day. Uh, no, we've we've give the the cash costs, uh, but I don't have no, I don't have the detail. We could come back. We'll on that. get
2: that. Yeah, we'll get that for you. Okay,
4: great.
1: Your next question comes from John Muzzles with Very Independent Research. Your line is open.
11: Thank you very much for taking my question. Uh, concerning Hope Bay, uh, is the original gecko mill up to Agneco standards? I know they're not as they weren't as well financed as your team. And how much of the issue with the plant is the 80-kilometer trend and figuring out where the center of gravity is?
2: Yeah, no, the mill is not up to our standards. Uh, Not even close, Um, but we knew that sort of going in. Um, So it does need a new plant, and the question is largely location now based on uh, the size of the geological belt and the uh, distance between the deposits, Um, and that's what we're really trying to uh, nail down over the next year or so as we continue to sort of look at it and and assess it.
11: If I could ask a second one, and I'm sorry to ask a big company question. Um, The southern business in Mexico, as the other businesses north grow, is getting close to 10% of the prospective mix. Is it worth keeping because of the value of uh, the heap leach low capital cost simpler mining and the exposure to the uh, Sonora Sierra Madre southern belts as well as Latin America and heap leaching in the southwestern US or is it getting to be too long of a plane flight and uh, uh uh, would the company be better have less admin and be tighter if it was just a northern business?
2: Um, well, that's a that's a good question. We ask ourselves those questions all the time. Um, the Our best asset there is our people and their ability to do business uh, in that country. Um, so we think it's worth keeping based on that skill set and based on its proximity, as you said, to those geological belts. Um, and so, uh, we'd like to have something else for them to build. Uh, we still believe Santa Gertrudis is a buildable project. Again, when, uh, we don't know. Um, so right now we're, uh, we're just mining satellite deposits and developing satellite deposits to uh, generate cash and we've got uh, decent exploration budgets going. Uh, but we still like Mexico as a place to do business, it's still a pro-mining country but despite what you may see or read um, in the news, uh, we haven't had any issues uh, that sort of change our view on wanting to invest in Mexico. Uh, it's competitive. Um, there's no doubt about it, but uh, we think we have a competitive advantage just based on the skill set there. So it's still important for us, but it clearly needs a pipeline that, um, that it doesn't have that the Northern business does have. And from a management perspective, it's not difficult to manage because it's almost self-managing. The leadership team there uh, has done an exceptional job, and it's not something that eats up a lot of senior management time.
11: Thank you, congratulations. Paul Penn is up in heaven doing a backflip, Sean. Okay. Great job. Thank you, thank you, John.
1: Your next question comes from Anita Sony with CIBC World Markets. Your line is open. Hey, guys.
10: uh, Good morning. Um, So just a a few questions. Um, So firstly, just as I understand it, if we're going to model the 750 to 800 capex for the next three years, we should probably also be modeling potentially upper beaver. Like that includes the capital for that. Or some of the capital, obviously.
2: Um, Yes, but we don't have that defined. All we're really saying is is that um, this is also for internal discussion for our teams is look, this is the envelope we're prepared to spend. Um, You do the analysis on the projects, and we'll decide whether it meets the investment criteria and whether it meets the risk profile uh, to invest in it. So all we're saying is we've left room in the event that we have a positive production decision for something like Upper Beaver.
10: Yeah, and then also just a sort of financial question, just to confirm, that does include your capitalized stripping number, right, as well? Sorry, capitalized exploration. I keep doing that. So yes. Capitalized exploration. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. And then um, the second question, Laurent grade. So I noticed, you know, when I did my sort of reserve analysis and depletion that you actually added um, even higher grades again, and overall the mineral inventory went up at higher grades. So can you talk about exactly where you found that exploration success?
2: Uh, at
8: Laurent, yeah, uh, Guy. Yep. Uh, can you help us with that? Yep. Yeah. So basically, uh, as we discussed over the last uh, couple of quarters, you know, with the I grading effect, we were we were seeing of the Laurent of the Laurent mine. So we've been investigating on our reconciliation, and uh, basically found out that we were a bit too conservative where uh, applying, you know, to. Low uh, capping uh, limit to the high-grade assays we were getting in the deposit, so we've basically loosened a bit our our capping, and and even still, I think uh, we've been re- running a couple of assumptions, and even with that higher assays capping uh, approach, uh, we still cannot uh, reconcile. You know, we're getting more gold than what our predictive model. So we've we've taken a little bit of that, plus uh, with the success we're having at uh, LZ5. We've been extending the uh, resources uh, beneath the previous the, uh, the the previous limit that was around 400 meter. We've extended the limit now to close to 700 meter below surface at LZ5 due to success. So it came from uh, the uh, those those two modifications at Laurent that we've more than replaced what we've mined this year, and that you've seen an increase of the grade for the Laurent portion.
10: Okay, and then so that leads me to a little bit on the byproducts. Um, have you you know use the same kind of parameters on the on the byproducts i mean i i noticed you guys are always tend to do a little bit better than what you say at the beginning of the year for your byproducts and i'm wondering if it's suffering the same kind of capping
8: Nope, no change to the no. uh, byproduct estimation uh neither uh any of them the only change was on the goal. okay
10: so okay all right so um and then just in terms of the uh canadian malarctic royalty so um understanding that your partner reports their uh, total or their unit cost a little differently. Um, so that five, five, 5.5% royalty, that should be on just the, the you know Canadian Malarctic under, or the Odyssey Project underground material, right? And then if we were to you know just look at the uh, Barnett uh, and uh, Canadian Malarctic pit, we would kind of take the cost that you guided to on a unit cost basis for that material, but not have to include a royalty. Is that correct? Um,
11: yeah I'm not
2: sure i I'm not sure i I follow that. The royalty is in the cash costs on all um, the current production and will be on the underground uh, production
10: as yeah. well. I guess what I'm asking is I thought my, my understanding was that you know the way you guys report your unit costs, you already include the royalty within the unit costs yes um, for for the open pit, but here in the underground, you split out the royalty because the doesn't actually do it the same way as you guys do.
2: Uh, Brian, I don't know if Brian can uh, help us with that. He...
10: It's okay. We can take it offline. If yeah.
2: That, so. yeah.
1: Okay.
10: All right. Um, that's it for my questions. Thank you very much.
1: Okay. Thanks. Your next question comes from Matthew Murphy with Barclays. Your line is open.
9: Hi. Um had a question on costs. And, um, I mean, your AISC you're going to be in the high 900s. I guess, you know, last year, this time, <clears throat> it sounded like they were going to come down near term. Now it's sounding like they'll be flattish. So I guess it's two parts to the question. Uh, number one, what has changed that's that's keeping that elevated? And number two, you know, if we look beyond 2024, all else equal, do you have kind of a range you want to get to on AISC?
2: Yeah, uh, it's really a largely Amarouk. Amarouk has two high-cost years, 22 and 23, um, and then it goes lower. So that's what sort of drove uh, the all-in, because the cash costs go up there, uh, drives the all-in sustaining costs up uh, as well, uh,
9: and they come down after that. And do you have a level that you can talk about for 2025, no. 2026? No. No, we're not guiding that far out. Okay. And um, I guess maybe as a related question, has the experience at Amuruk changed the way you think about satellite opportunities in Nineveh?
2: Um, No, I think that's a function of um, sort of longevity of that asset. It doesn't have the longevity that Meliadine uh, has. Uh, so we are fortunate with the exploration success at uh, at Amuruk to provide higher grade underground ore. Uh, so it's really volumes that work well there and, and volumes in terms of tonnage that uh, that work well. Uh, trucking does add costs, uh, and that's certainly our trucking costs are a bit higher based on sort of availability and reliability of equipment. Uh, but it's really grade that's driven the unit cost. The grade's been a bit lower uh,
10: than what we expected it to be. Okay, thanks, Ron.
1: Your last question comes from Kenya Jackie Dominic
12: with Scotia Bank. Your line is open. Great. Uh, good morning, everybody. Um, I just wanted to circle back to Amaruk. Um I know Dominic. We talked about um, the mine going till 2026, and there is underground uh, uh, potential further there. But my understanding is that you just can't run the underground without having open pit. So maybe Guy, uh, uh, number one, is that correct? Like 2,000 tons a day from the underground is not going to support that complex. Yeah,
2: that's yep.
12: correct. Yeah. Maybe Gee, can you talk about the exploration focus for open pit material on this uh, property?
8: Yep. Uh, that, that's something we are pursuing year over year, uh, investigating, uh, especially ar- along the infrastructure, either the, the road that connects uh, Baker Lake to, to Meadowbank, or from Meadowbank to Amarok, and uh, we basically continue, uh, you know, target identification and target testing. And uh, you know, year after year, we're generating good targets. Unfortunately, we're not making discovery of uh, something like Amarok every year. But it's not a lack of effort. Then the uh, the emphasis remains there at uh, generating new targets, testing them, and we'll provide an update as soon as we hit something.
12: Um, and what's the, the the budget? Sorry for this year.
8: Ah, uh, generally speaking, and uh, we are uh, allocating twenty to thirty thousand meter for uh, regional exploration, as uh, 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 both for miliadine and Amarok. And then, in terms of allocation, you know, depends how things will unravel. So, uh, so, but you can assume that. Uh, Something like uh, twenty thousand meter uh, regional it's detailed in the in the news release, but uh, uh, twenty thousand meter are uh, generating new uh, new target uh, around Meadow Bank and Maro okay.
12: um, maybe maybe the, um, for Sean or or Dominic, maybe just a bigger picture. like you know what if we don't end up finding anything here? Can um, your infrastructure, uh, some of your infrastructure, some of your equipment people be used at um hope bay uh
2: potentially yes potentially
12: okay so so the mill could maybe could be movable and trucks and et cetera
2: uh, you know we'd have to look at the specifics of that, but certainly um when you look at Hope bay at uh reserves of three and a half million ounces resources of over three and a half million ounces still wide open so you know, it's likely going to be 7 to 10 million ounces or so. Um, we bought it because of its location and its geological upside and our skill sets to operate in that area. Uh, so if we can leverage off of existing infrastructure because uh, the, the mine life doesn't exist that Amaruk, will certainly be looking to do that.
12: Yeah. Okay, good. I'll hopefully find more at Amaruk. Thanks a lot, guys.
2: Thank you.
1: We now, I'd like to call back over to Sean Boyd for closing remarks.
2: Thank you, operator, and uh, thank you, everyone, uh, for the questions. And if there's any other uh, follow up information you require, uh, uh, please get, get in touch. We'll be happy to help. Thank you.
1: This concludes today's conference call. You may now disconnect.